reach. What's going on, everybody? This is your host, Drew Lieberman. What up? This is Gary Nova, your everyday quarterback. And you are now listening to the Sideline Hustle Podcast. Here's two guys, one guy who coached in the Big Ten and one guy who played in the Big Ten, talking about their experiences. And I'm like, you did do a good job of getting rid of the football. I mean, yeah, sometimes I got rid of it to other teams. Right, 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 right. Right, 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 right. From the sidelines, we gotta hustle cause we gotta eat. From the sidelines, we got some goals that we still gotta reach. All right, welcome back to the Rutgers Scout Cast. Our guest this week is an exciting one. It is Drew Lieberman. He is a college football coach that spent a couple years at Rutgers. Drew, what's going on? How you doing, Sam? Thanks for having me, man. Hey, it's fun because I'm talking to another podcaster. A lot of these interviews... A lot of these coaches I talk to, they've never heard of a podcast before, so it's good <laughs> no to doubt. talk to someone that actually knows what they're doing. Yeah, it seems podcasts are, are on the rise nowadays, even though they're, they're kind of an old thing, but they've really been picking up recently. We've all got one, and we've all got one to plug. We're going to get to your Sideline Hustle podcast, but first, for people that don't know, you spent two years as a graduate assistant at Rutgers. You're now a wide receivers coach at Wesleyan College. What you tell people, I guess, about your career and your experience at Rutgers. Yep. So I uh, I started. Um, I, I went to I went to Wesleyan University where I'm working now. I played quarterback there. Uh, played there for two years, and I blew up my shoulder. And then when I was a, a junior in college, they actually named me the quarterbacks coach. So I was able. I actually ran the position drills and the meetings and everything for two years as an undergrad. Um, and then after doing that for two years, I. Um, graduated in 2013 from Wesleyan. I worked at Albany for a year under legendary coach Bob Ford. It was his last year before he retired. Um, he had actually recruited Coach Flood in college um, when he was at Hofstra. Or sorry, no, when he was at Albany. Um, and coach Flood ended up going there. And then, and then uh, so that kind of connection, he got me in the door with Coach Flood. And uh, Coach Flood hired me in 2014. And I worked there 2014, 2015 as the quarterback's wide receiver's GA. Um, and then just recently in 2016, came back to Wesleyan to coach the wide receivers. So I, I would say, I tell people this all the time that the two most underappreciated jobs in a football program, one is recruiting coordinator and two is graduate assistant because you're working the same hours as every coach Absolutely. on that staff. But on top of that, you're barely getting paid. And in some places you got to go to class. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and for us too, like it was like, I, we had a good group of GAs. So I think the coaches really relied on us and we, at, we did some extra work and asked for extra work and it was a grind, man. Like you're there before the coaches show up and, and you're staying there well after they leave and they give you something and, and it better be done perfectly the next day. And you know, the expectations are high and it's, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's definitely an awesome, unbelievable learning experience. A lot of people and myself included are, were critical of coach flood for a lot of reasons, but something that I think he did very well was, was delegating people with different responsibilities to where if you're a GA, you're not, you're not wasting your time. Like you had real jobs at Rutgers. Like yeah, what, for sure. what kind of, what kind of roles or what things should we be giving you credit for? Uh, I think the big thing, I mean, on game day, we had big roles. Like, like on game day, I was up in the booth and I was in charge of identifying. So coach McDaniels, um, when he was, I was the GA, 2015 when he was there he was on the field calling the plays and I would be in the booth identifying the front coverage and, and pressure for every play so I had to have a great understanding of the defense of what the indicators were for each call so 
you know, if the outside linebacker lined up slightly outside leverage when they were going to blitz someone inside, then I, I had to know all those things and have those studied and kind of be able to call them out beforehand, have a good idea of what our game plan was, what we wanted to do against the different looks and be able to rattle them off, you know, at, at a moment's notice. So we might finish a drive and, and Ben might say, hey, uh, you know, that second third down we had like what was the coverage like what, what was it you know how did they get into it and I just had to know everything and I had to give him indicators that would help him call the game better and I was really his his eyes and ears up there along at the time I was up there with with coach Anthony Campanelli and, and another GA Rocco D'Amico but between the three of us I was the guy communicating with him directly and between the three of us like we really were the eyes and ears for the guy calling the play so I, I would say that's definitely probably the, the most prominent responsibility that has, has the biggest impact um, and then I think what people don't know is all the breakdowns you do to prepare for the game. So I'll, I'll watch all four games. Like we'll, we'll scout four games for each opponent and I'll spend, you know, a whole week watching all those games, putting down all the information from the front, the coverage, any little alignment notes and making sure that's perfect because that's ultimately that data from, from the games we break down is what we use to create the game plan. So if I do a bad job in putting the data, we're going to have a bad game plan. So I would say the data input and then the game day responsibilities, those those are two critical things um, to a, a Division One football program that GAs are in charge of. Um, and then lastly, obviously, the scout team, too. So every every week like we have we have the kind of the third string defensive players. They come over and, and it's my job, along with the other GA, to coach them and, and coach them in a way that replicates that opponent's look. And, and we go against them every day in practice. It's our job to get them motivated, our job to make sure that they're doing things the way the opponent does it. And again, same thing. If we don't do a good job coaching those guys up, we're going to be practicing against either a half speed look or, or a look that's not the way it's going to look on game day. And, and that's going to hurt us as well. So th those are really the, the three biggest things. And that doesn't even include recruiting where you're working the summer camps, you're talking to kids on visits. Yeah. You've got to do all the recruiting stuff except go on the road Yep. Uh, on top of all your football responsibilities. Yep. And, and a lot of that too, like we'd be in charge of, of some cases, like running another coach's Twitter or just keeping in touch with guys through Twitter or, or doing it ourselves on our, on our own social media. There's definitely a lot of that. We're kind of just the gophers when it comes to recruiting, doing all the little things that, that anyone might need, need to be done on a daily basis. You mean coach Friedgen didn't run his own Twitter? <laughs> no, he did not. Funny story. Actually, he's on the podcast with me and we currently like he, he didn't run his own. He didn't run the Twitter and he didn't know the password for it. So we currently can't log on to his Twitter to help promote the sideline hustle because we can't find the password anywhere. That doesn't surprise me at all. But so one more question about Rutgers, and then I want to jump onto your podcast because I think it's really cool. You you spent a little bit of time with Coach Chris Ash as he was building his staff. That was before you moved on to your next school. What do you think about what Coach Ash is trying to do at Rutgers? I think he's done a great job so far. Uh, I was able to work with him for like three or four months, kind of in the beginning of the transition, and it was cool to see the values he brought with him from Ohio State and the way he immediately instilled a different culture immediately I think demanded just just a little bit more from all the players and and you know he, he also came in and was able to I think get gather a lot more resources and was just able to do a lot for the players to prove that he was going to give back to them but also demand a lot more from them and I think he's definitely kind of risen the level of the way they train and they prepare like I would say the strength coach Kenny Parker is as good as anyone I've ever been around and that, that's kind of where I think I learned the most in my three or four months with them is, is that guy Kenny Parker like he does a great job and, and they were really training differently and, and really, really busting their butt. Um, and, and, you know, I think, I think coach Ash has a great vision for things and he, he seems like he's had, got a head in the right direction. They just got to start winning some games so they can keep the recruiting up. 
So if you're if you're a college football fan or if you're a Rutgers fan, there's both good reasons to check out the Sideline Hustle podcast because well, obviously we'll have links and explanation of how to find it. But so your show it gives people an inside look. You talked about being a GA, but there's all that kind of stuff of how college football works from a coaching perspective. But not only that, most of your guests are or were Rutgers guys on top of it. Correct. Yep. Yep. Everyone that's on it right now, to be honest, is actually that 2014 season, Coach Friedgen's uh, year as offensive coordinator, everyone involved in the podcast right now was a part of that team. Um, so uh, Leo Farin, who was a recruiting coordinator at Boston College, he was a recruiting assistant. Mike Teal was a graduate assistant. Obviously, he's the head coach of Don Bosco now. Uh, coach Friedgen was the offensive coordinator. And then my co-host, Gary Nova, was a starting quarterback. And Leonte Carew, who's his childhood best friend and someone who I coached for two years, He's uh, he was the starting receiver. So between the six of us, we were all kind of part of that that particular year. And then we've all had other experiences outside of, of Rutgers. So we're able to bring that in-depth perspective. You know, Mike's coached in high school and at the D3 level. I've coached the D3 level, the D1 level. We've got Ralph's coaching the NFL. Leontes played in the NFL. You know, Gary tried out for the NFL and then was a starting quarterback for four years. Like just a ton of experiences from all of us combined. And it really gives a well-rounded perspective into how the business works. Had Ralph ever heard of a podcast when he joined the show? Absolutely not. He he absolutely not. He well he he does listen to some of them, but he was he. I, I give him credit because the last time we were working together, I was his GA, where he was just telling me everything to do, and he's put a lot of faith in me and my vision for this whole thing because you know he's obviously the most established of all of us, has the most quote unquote to lose because of his established reputation, and and he put a lot of faith in me to kind of just figure out the way everything works figure out the whole podcast world. And it definitely wasn't something he was overly familiar with. So I, I heard about the show. Mike Teal is the one that first told me about it. Um, Cause I talked to him all the time about Don Bosco stuff. But when I downloaded the first episode, I, the reason that I was sold within the first two minutes is there's an interaction between you and Gary Nova. And I think this is in the open to all of your shows. You say to Gary Nova, you try and compliment him, say something like you were always good at getting rid of the football. <laughs> And Gary Nova's response is so self-deprecating. It's so good. good. It, it's the honest Gary Nova. Yeah, it is. And it, it's been the cool thing about really all, like, I think the biggest thing for me when I was working um, at Rutgers was I had this vision and this perception that, all right, I'm going to go to Rutgers. It's going to be, you know, it's big time football. We're in the Big Ten. It's going to be this well, well-oiled machine. All these players are going to be, you know, like they're superstars in my mind in a way because they're playing at ESPN. They're going to the NFL, even though they're 21 years old, you know, 20, 21 years old. And when I got there, it was just, it was very different. Like everyone's just a regular guy. Like the players are regular guys just trying to do their best and do, do their job. You know, the coaches are, are all hilarious and, and, you know, it's a bunch of football guys running this million dollar corporation. It wasn't nearly as polished as I thought it'd be. And, and, you know, everyone was just very relatable and very similar to me and me coming from a division three background. Um, I just expected something different, but that's the biggest thing we kind of try and show in, in the podcast is that we're all just regular guys. Like Gary's out there is trying to do his best. Like he knows he threw some interceptions at times, but he also, you know, has the school record and touchdown passes. So, you know, it kind of just comes with the territory. Now I think that for me, my, uh, cause I'm a reporter. The first thing I thought when I heard about this podcast is, Oh my God, are they going to do an episode about Kyle flood getting fired? Uh, there's a lot of, negative things that happened in the two years you were there and I'm sure you're going to touch on that stuff on the show but I think it's cool that you're starting off with more positive stories because Rutgers has had a lot of good things happen and Kyle Flood 
achieve things as yep. the Rutgers head coach. I really enjoyed your camp episode because Rutgers is one of the more professionally run college camps that I've ever seen. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And yeah, I appreciate it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's definitely like we, we weren't, when we started it, we're not really interested in, obviously it's interesting to talk about how he got fired and why, but we're not really interested in, in spilling dirt as much as we're interested in just educating people into how things actually work. Um, and I think if, if that happens where we got to talk about, you know, some touchy subjects, like we're more than happy to, cause we're going to be honest about everything, but you know, we don't want to air out anyone's dirty laundry. We just really want to share our perspectives, share our experiences, and it'll bring light to how things actually work because I think it's, it is the, the real inner workings of things I think are a mystery to a lot of people that haven't really been through it themselves. Well, as you are listening to this episode 73 of the Rutgers Scoutcast, the third episode of the Sideline Hustle is available everywhere. We've got links of how to find it. Uh, Drew, I, I close out these interviews. I ask everyone the same three questions about Rutgers. And since you spent two years there, I'm hoping for some good answers here. Hmm. Uh, my first question to you is that who is your favorite Rutgers football player of all time? I'll go. I'll go. I'll go with Mike Teal because that guy's been like an older brother to me. And if it wasn't for him, I would have been fired at least six times in my first year at Rutgers. He was, he really kind of held me down and, and made sure I was, I was doing things a little bit better. So I'll go with Mike because I'm not sure I'd be sitting here right now if it wasn't for him. So in, in a PG or PG 13 way, what's one way, uh, what's an example of uh, how Mike Teal job I, so when i first got there i was this confident kid energetic kid and I, I wanted to help and i had a lot of big ideas so i would always just I, I i wasn't good at what everyone said there just stay in your lane like show up stay your lane do your job speak when spoken to because you know I, i'm the 23 year old with no experience like no there's guys in here that have 40 50 years of coaching experience no one wants to hear what i have to say but i had trouble with that and someone would tell me to do something and I might talk back or I might do an assignment wrong and I'd say, well, well, this is why it was wrong or you told me to do this rather than just shutting up and, and doing what I was told. And Mike would pull me into to the office at times after those meetings when I was running my mouth a little too much and he'd just be like, would you shut the heck up? Like you're going to get yourself fired. I don't know what's wrong with you. And it probably took him about 15 times before it ever even sunk into me. And I started to realize I'd be better served just by working hard and, and letting my work do the talk for me. Question number two, when you think about your time that you spent at Rutgers, what is your favorite memory? I'd say beating Michigan. Uh, when we beat Michigan that first year and the fans stormed the field. That was, that was something I'll never forget. Um, you know, that, that was incredible. That was a once in a lifetime experience, but really other than that, it's the people, man. Like we had an incredible coaching staff in terms of just, just human beings. Like I thought the guys in that staff, most of them were great guys. I, they, a lot of them changed my life. I, I keep in touch with most of them to this day. Um, so like that specific memory would be Michigan, but overall it's, it's the people I was able to work with. It's a, all right. And wrapping up the show here, if you get to have one more meal at Rutgers, say you come back to Rutgers for the weekend, uh, where are you going and what's your order? Ooh, great call. Oh, great question. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say probably stuff your face. No, sorry. You know what? I'm gonna take that back. I'm gonna go to Brother Jimmy's and get the nachos. Brother Jimmy's was one of my favorite spots, and I'll be I'll stay loyal to them. Brother Jimmy, I would see. I'm a, I think Old Man Rafferty's has the best nachos on campus, but Brother Jimmy's is a close second, man. They yeah, do right. they do a great job over there, and and I enjoyed hanging out there a lot. And you know, there's some good people who work there as well. So I'll, I'll go with Brother Jimmy's. All right, Coach Drew Lieberman was our guest this week. Make sure you check out the Sideline Hustle every Friday on iTunes. No doubt. Thanks very much for having me, Sam.